Hey guys, welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. This week we talked to Oscar Johansson, the, the current world record foil for humping around in the surf, basically, on a, on a surf foil. And we did it over two hours, 40 minutes. Mind-blowing. We go into what gear he was using, why he used that gear, the conditions he was looking for. We also go into board design, um, why prone hand paddles are becoming a, becoming a thing and it might be a bit easier than you think. Uh, but also I want to take a chance to just thank you guys for, for tuning in to the Casey Catch-Up. I'm trying to get them a bit more regular now, so have them every one to two weeks. So um, heading into summer here in Australia, there should be a few more downwind foilers getting into it, so I'm stoked on that. I'm also doing a few clinics over in Western Australia um, with a few races, November 10 to November 20. I'm over there. I'm going to do some clinics down in Mandra and the Mandra Jewel race. And then the following weekend, I think it's the 19th of November, I'm doing the West Coast Downwinder on foil too. Bunch of clinics leading up to all that sort of stuff too. So if you're over there or you're looking for a downwind foil race to do, come over and join us for, um, I guess we're calling it downwind week, November 10 to November 20 over in Western Australia. And fingers crossed we get good wind. Conditions are generally really good. Um, Oscar can vouch for that. He was just over there. And uh, yeah, so I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you want more content, more info on downwind foiling, check out uh, the Coach Casey Club at my website, caseyaus.com, caseyaus.com. And uh, yeah, we'd be stoked to have you. But if you're just enjoying this podcast, stoked. Um, get into it. The more people out there, the better. And um, it's not going to get too crowded out to sea, not, not in the foreseeable future anyway. So looking forward to uh, catching up with you out there and um, yeah, get into it. This episode with Oscar is a good one. Cheers, guys. All right, welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. I've got uh, Oscar Johansson on and, mate, I've been mean to get you on since that world record prone surf foil. There's so many world records going on at the moment, but world record prone surf foil. Um, you, you literally blew everyone out of the water. I was embarrassed that you even listed my time in that, I like 39 minutes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> but um, two hours, 46 minutes on foil in a surf break. No backwash, no free rides, no nothing. Just um, so I guess we're going to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about the other thing I'm talking about with Oscar for this podcast is um, the hand paddles. And Oscar's made it look really easy and, and made a lot of people want to give it a crack, which I'm stoked on. It's another way to downwind. Whether it's easier or not, that's what we'll discuss. But also, I guess, just the process of how you've got there. But yeah, thanks for coming on, Oscar. It's um, yeah. been been a little while since we had you last but yeah. yeah stoked to be back it's been it's been a little while we've things have changed in that little time i mean the last time i jumped on with i was just getting into the stand-up stuff and sort of sup down winding but things have come a long way it's, it's crazy to see a sport like this grow because i mean that was only a few months ago and you see how much things have changed since then it's crazy yeah it's it's blowing up in, yeah. in all the good ways like there's not only I think is gear getting better, but I also think um, people's skills are getting better, which is I think almost more so than gear, I think, but we're learning how to use the foils the most efficient way. And um, well, let's kick it off. Let's talk about your, your stupid almost three hours in the surf up on foil. Um, I'm really interested in this because I tried once and got 39 minutes and I'm blaming conditions, I'm blaming equipment, but I'm also just blaming like desire to do it. That's what stands out to me the most. Um, 
to me, I thought, oh, 39 minutes on four, like, that's a long time, I thought. Um, but two hours, 46 <laughs> minutes. Tom's, was it times five almost? You just literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, I mean, that's my, uh, which I think a few people know, but, you know, I don't, my sister's a pro triathlete. And so I spent, I think pre-COVID, I spent a fair bit of time with her. She was training over in Boulder, Colorado, sort of the mecca of endurance athletes for um, their off-seasons and doing training and stuff. So I went over there and hung out with her and just got, I, I never run. I never, I was never into that stuff. I, mm. I did sports when I was like growing up. I loved surfing. I played a lot of water polo, actually, a lot of swimming. So, but I was never competitive. I was just not, I didn't have a drive for it. And um, hanging out with her, I went on a few runs with her, never ran before. And I got pretty hungry to push yourself hard. Mm-hmm. There was something about it. And like, we're super competitive. So like, if she goes on a run, it just doesn't matter how unfit I was at the time. I just stare at her back and push myself and make sure I don't get dropped Very by her. Safe. So yeah, I think, it, and that kind of eventually lent into what like this stuff is like, once you can kind of foil aerobically, it is that exactly like said, it's a mental thing and it's really how hard you can push yourself, you know, physically your body can keep going, but mentally, yeah, you go to some dark play. I mean, you would have done it on your, downwind run that almost 12 hours 213 k yeah yeah so <laughs> you go to some dark places man like your body's shutting down everything in you is telling you to stop mm. and to mentally keep pushing through that i, I mean i felt yeah, that was just something with the running that i really got into and strangely translates now into foiling which yeah yeah it's that it's that aerobic i guess just burying yourself you yeah know, just let's go yeah. let's see how far how long <laughs> how long how far can i go and yeah. yeah i weirdly got into it. it it was something that i'd never you know i've never pushed my body to those limits with her anyway doing a lot of the running stuff and cycling and i mean the cycling translates so well to foiling really mm. similar muscle group and depends on what you know one of the rides that we tend to do is very hilly so i was like really spiky kind of heaps on the way up then you get a rest on the way back and i think that translates really well to foiling that kind of similar aerobic zone but also similar muscle group so so there you yeah, go if anyone wants that... to break oscar's record just go cycling just don't don't foil just cycle and run that's all you gotta do <laughs> <laughs> no technique it's yeah so we all know that's not true oscar's very talented foiling so but also you're pretty dialed into your equipment so um i was really interested in in we'll talk about before just before we started recording but the gear you're using and um, just run us through that and I'm going to, I guess, and we'll compare it to what other people tried using like myself and Bennett's and Jeremy and Perth and all these guys. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I ran a, well, board was just an Armstrong prone board. Um, I think there's, it's a real stiff board. Um, so I think I get a lot, a really good power that I'm pushing down translates well into the foil. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's long mass tracks, so it's, easy to move it a bit forward to kind of reduce that swing weight just keep it nice and what, efficient what uh, it's 4.0 27 yeah. liters mm-hmm. so i mean for me i'm i'm light i mean when i did the run i was almost 72 kilos i weighed myself afterwards and i was 71 and a half yeah. which for me is actually heavier than normal which yeah. i'm normally sit like just higher 60s so probably builds the muscle while you're out there yeah yeah <laughs> so i was yeah, a little heavier but that's that's all right. Um, yeah, then so front wing, I was riding the 1325 high aspect from Armstrong. Um, 
it's not their biggest, which was one reason I kind of steered away from the biggest because I knew everyone was going to be like, well, you're light and that's the biggest foil. So I kind of went one yeah. size down. Like, well, <laughs> but um, yeah, and then a pretty, I had a very long mask. I had an 85 centimetre mask, yeah. which it's actually what I, it's my go-to anyway, but it's more, I was concerned about being up for that long, making mistakes. I, yeah. Anything can go wrong. You kick off a bit, you hit a bobble, a wobble, whatever it is. Yeah. So, so I just wanted a bit of leeway. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, real 60 centimeter fuse, I think pretty standard these days, not long, not short. And yeah. then a um, crisp tail, which is a, a guy yeah. over in WA that makes them. So yeah. a really interesting foil section. They're super lifty mm-hmm. um, for what their size is. Um, really unique foil section in it. So generates a heap, heap of lift, but also not much drag. So, and I think that kind of complemented that big high aspect, just kind of making, being able to make mistakes, being able to kick off, something goes wrong, you're off balance, just having that little bit lower stall speed, but still have mm. that top end that kind of felt like the winning combo. So yeah. I had a run the night before I did in 45 minutes the night. I sort of just went out and I was like, see how I, I got like, Yeah. I, I had a kind of a week window before I was um, traveling and I kind of just said, oh, you know, I've got a couple, there's probably three days of good conditions. And I was like, oh, let's just go out night before. Like, let's just have a run, see where the legs are at, see how the body feels. And it's a quick yeah, 45 minute wave to see how we're yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was, you know, I had, I just took my Apple Watch out and it was more just testing what the heart rate did. So trying to look at the average heart rate over that 45 minute period mm. and just see, you know, is it just slowly, are you just working yourself until you can't anymore? Or could I just flatline? And it was, it was just, yeah. It was flat. So it was, you watch you. Yeah, that's yeah, the trick. You, like, I think a lot of people ask, like, for me, how, how did I do such a long foil? And it's as long as you can keep your heart rate under control and you can refuel. And you, you and I just read your post. If I had more nutrition, I probably could have gone longer, three hours, which I totally agree. Like, if you can keep your heart rate down and you can refuel, there's no difference between like an hour and a half and 10 hours. Seriously. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, once you get over the hour mark, it's, it's a new game. And yeah. getting into that hour, hour and a half, two hours. If you can get to two hours, you can actually, well, you showed us, you can get further. And you weren't, you weren't even refueling. Like, yeah, yeah. So and I think that was probably what was my biggest issue was, you know, I was in a four, three, oh no, a three, two yeah, wetsuit and just that. Yeah. full sun. I was just, and like you saw it like halfway through, like the sweat marks coming through the wetsuit. I was just, and that was, you know, towards, I think it was, two hours 30 or so it was just the legs the cramps like every down pump was like just don't go too deep because you knew the legs were going to cramp and it was, yeah so i think after yeah but looking even looking back now at the heart rate data it was still pretty level it yeah. wasn't there were it was a slight increase overall but it wasn't getting to a wasn't stupid wasn't yeah it wasn't, uh, wasn't getting anaerobic yeah yeah exactly and i think you know at i wasn't fit for the you know Going into it, I kind of was had a goal of an hour 15. And I was like, oh, if I can get an hour 30 and like just smoke Bennett. So I was like, that's the goal. I was like, yes, <laughs> an hour 30. So that was my you know, that was my goal. That was what yeah. I was going for. So I was like, I don't need water or anything for an hour 30. I can push through that. So yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't plan any of that. And I think yeah. you needed a caddy on the beach just to sit there <laughs> on the inside, just hold up a bit of bottle of water, muesli bar. I actually had a apple. I had a friend who came out with me, Reese, and I was like, oh, I was like. I could ask him for water. I was like, I just like go up to the truck, give me a bottle of water, just throw it to me. And then I was like, someone's going to have a dig at me. Someone's going to be like, oh, you got external 
nutrition. <laughs> and I was just like, well, you know what? I'm just not. I was like, I'm just going to leave this simple. Like, I'm going to put it less out there. There's no external nutrition is allowed. <laughs> if, you're yeah, going over, go if you're going over an hour and a half, external nutrition is allowed. Yeah. But if you go oh. an hour 29 and you got water, doesn't count. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> I like that. Um, talk us about the conditions too, because I liked at the beginning of you said you sort of called Bennett's out and said <laughs> wedges, backwashes does not count. That's not pumping back out. That's and that's 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 my problem with this world record. It's so hard to yeah um, yeah to, to quantify and to get everyone in the same conditions because um, you know I, I, I want to try to break your record by going out as one of the long you know point breaks. Imagine you went to the Superbank and you just sort of yeah going from snapper and it was a good day i was going all the way to you know kira and you just like oh one lap and then just get into a rhythm back out and then yeah. get another so i'm not sure if it'd be easier or harder but it's, it's you know talk us about the conditions and, and what you were looking for as your ideal conditions for that setup yeah so yeah the i didn't mean to call adam out he's he's a, <laughs> one of the best players he's good for it he's, he's for phenomenal it. yeah but um yeah i think that what, what he did there that they've got such a good setup with the way that kind of side wash kind of bends around that you know they're essentially you look at the clip that he put up when he did that hour seven and you know he rides it back out from one bump to the next and rides that back and yeah you know i think that's a whole different game i almost think that for me would be harder because it's you've got to be so much more that's, in the game so yeah. much more focused yeah so to me whereas we you know what i was doing was you kick off into it you know kind of the channel along the side of the bank and you just kind of zoning and getting to your rhythm and you just kind of then ride back. So it's a little bit more monotonous, but what he was doing, you've got to be on your game more. Mm, so different. I think that yeah. had potential for more mistakes. Yep. Whereas what I did, I, you know, I set those rules to be just something that almost anyone can replicate. If you've got just a, a peak that crumbles or breaks, it's just ride it for as long as you can, pump back to the same point and just lap it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I kind of, ideally I would have gone with offshore winds, which I had at the start, but probably the first hour. And then towards the second hour, the wind started to swing and it was just a slow, <laughs> Yeah, it got worse. And then by the end, it wasn't strong, but still, you know, probably oh, five uh, to eight knots. Still. This is, I guess, how I explain it. If there's a five to eight knot breeze and you're foiling 10 knots into it, yeah. that's a 15 to 18 knot breeze. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly. significant in yeah. flat water or up into, into a wave and swell. Yeah. So, yeah. And so then there's, you know, there's little, especially where it was, you know, the wind, wind sort of bends around. So you sort of you got a painful headwind, but then as you get out a little bit, you can kind of turn with it and you use it to your advantage as much as you can. But, mm. you know, it's still, I think it's conditions dependent. you got to, like with your downwind run, you know, you want 12 hours of wind going yeah. in one direction. Any other direction is it's going to hold you back. And so yeah. Yeah. ideally offshore winds, but, you know, you just take what you can really yeah probably no wind is the best yeah yeah and, and if it does come up just like a five knot offshore i think it'd be the dream like yeah, if it was going yeah. to come up from any but no wind i think from, from my one attempt when i had a little more we come up <laughs> and all the excuses in the world as to why i didn't even get 40 minutes but um it's not about me it's not about you <laughs> and what wave size what about wave size and period because i think that's something that definitely needs to be discussed yeah yeah so initially the night before it was, which for us was still a decent period. I think it was nine, 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I was on the lower end, but to me doing a longer run, I was looking for a lower period swell. Um, sure. As soon as you get the higher period swell, you got the bigger lulls between sets. Yep. And so I'd probably say on your pump back out, you've got maybe six waves to choose from, I reckon. Yeah, okay. At, at most. Yeah. I mean, you can go further out if you see a really big one coming, but 
you ultimately you sort of bank. yeah yeah and i think even uh, you know for the spot it's not too bad to go off the bank you know you can just keep going further and further out and that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why i rode the 1325 it it's got a higher stall speed than other wings but it's it's just efficient and it has a like good top end yeah so it's more if i do get stuck and you know if i kick off one and there's just absolutely nothing but there is a set but quite a way out on the way back i can stay with it i know i don't have to pump with it whereas yep. other wings i might have to pump with it to kind of just either to pull back into it or to stay with it yeah so i just knew that it was you know it's a compromise you, you can't yeah. can't go too slow but then you also get the benefit of i can go further out if i need yeah so that was one of the big decisions Backup behind plan. that wing yeah, yeah. exactly but yeah so you probably have yeah six ways to choose from and my biggest thing is just not exerting. You know, if you go seven, eight, say, waves out, the further you pump, the higher the heart rate goes. So when you pump out, it's just slowly increasing. Yeah. And the higher you get it, the longer it takes to get it back down. So if you go yeah. way up to 190 BPM, it's going to take you five or six waves to get it back down. And if one of those waves afterwards, if you miss it, there's a big lull or whatever, you're going to then, you're just going to keep you're maxing done. it and keep going yeah. up and you're done. Yeah. And that's where, like, I was just like, all right, six-ish waves, just get a feel for kind of what your heart rate's doing. And if it's starting to get into that really hard zone, you got to peel off and just take what you can and just yeah. not get into that upper zone, that anaerobic kind of with a red zone or whatever. Yeah. I want to stress how much harder this is than downwinding. Like people probably think, oh, you know, James has done 12 hours or 11 hours, whatever it was I did. And you've done three. Why are we, why are we clapping Oscar so much? I'm like <laughs> with the wind at your back, you, you actually never feel like you're pumping um, yeah. into or against or you've always got power. And yeah. um, it, it's I, honestly, when I did mine up at Fingal, I was after 15 minutes, I looked at my watch. So I didn't want to look at my watch to see how long I'd gone. I'm like, I'll look at my watch now. Probably, probably done about half an hour. Look at my watch. I'm like, 15 minutes. I'm like, this thing's broken or something. Like, <laughs> cooked. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. Like, cause yeah. riding away, nowhere to hide. You're thinking, okay, got to maximize this wave. But then you, you ride too far in and you're stuffed because it's a longer paddle pump out or you get into this sort of weird where it was a bit of a weird eddy rip and yeah. wrong end of the bank like it was pumping back out into a wind and then if you pull off too early you pump when you pump out and around there may be no waves so you got you pump too far out and then you got to pump in as well so yeah. there's this not only are you surfing a wave and trying not to make a mistake you're then having to pull off at the right time, not too early, not too late. And then you need the luck of a set coming or conditions and, and you need the wind not to pick up and you need the tide to stay the same. And uh, yeah. it's, um, it's not as easy as um, Oscar makes it out <laughs> to be or, or, or what Bennett's made it look. And actually, that's the thing I want to talk about was um, I think you're doing something different to what everyone else's attempt was. Um, using a bigger foil in a, I guess you almost controlled the variables more by having just one break and a clear rip back out. And if there was an option of six waves, to me that like there's not many of those in, like there's not many setups, not many beach breaks like that in Sydney where you get um, from when you pump back out six options. I think normally where I surf, it'd be like three, like on the way back out, you might get a choice of three. So um a good a good setup but not yeah. something impossible to find yeah um, yeah yeah i think it's like where we are is, it is it is a lucky setup i think just the way it's there's a reef out the back usually 
it's a reef all the way and that was probably the biggest the hardest thing was the tide because the weeds start to stand up so you got to stay away from it yeah and i think on the way out like if you're picking one of those six waves there were times where there were nothing and you mm -hmm. just you pump out and you pump back you get you'd pick a lump the best lump you could see but you know it wasn't Towards the high tide, which I, I, I thought the swell was a little bigger, towards the high tide, nothing broke. So it was pump out, ride what you could back, but it was more don't go over the reef too deep because you'll hit the weed. And so it was always a little bit of a play with just positioning. And, and it was pretty, I mean, it was more interesting. I thought just like to see, to spend that amount of time and be so connected to the, the energy uh -huh. and what's going on for like a, a almost a tidal cycle yeah, like yeah. a full high and kind of coming back out of it and, yeah. and you see there was you know there was that big lull on the high tide everyone sort of talks about it surfing goes oh tide's turning it's oh there won't be any waves for half yeah. an hour and then it was sort of like you're getting into it and you're like 15 minutes in and i was like it's like That's shit there's not much coming and i was like and i was like fuck it's right on high tide and i was like maybe there's something to something there and, and the yeah. way you know then as the tide gets lower the wave will move around Changed. the reef differently yeah. and like to be so in tune with that and to see a full cycle and how you're literally watching every wave go through. You're yeah. concentrating on everyone. Go, Is that the one? Is that the one? No, no, no. That one's got too much wall. And like you tune into it in such a different way. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. It was really yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed the same for, for mine, but it was 30 minutes or not even. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, and I just noticed the wind slowly build and build and build. And I'm like, man, this wind's making it hard, you know, <laughs> but like, you notice all those little things and all the, and the waves break in a slightly different spot. But yeah, yeah you, you would have been bloody, you, you were part of bloody the ocean. You were a bit of plankton out there just going around and, you know, just like you were yeah, with yeah. the cycle. It's yeah, very yeah. cool. You got to find the rhythm, find the energy. And even, you know, you notice if a set goes through, how much water is then moving through on the inside and yeah. everything changes. You see a big set go through and then you start to go, all right, is it worth going all the way in? Because it starts to get turbulent. There's a lot more going in at the shore. There's a lot more water that needs to get back out. And, so you start making those calls and, you know, it gets, you're cooked. That's the other side of it. You are mentally, mm. you're trying to concentrate, but your body's just so cooked. Yeah. And so it was an interesting journey. And I think that's where like, like the running, the cycling, you can just almost black out and just push yourself as hard as you can. But foiling, you still have to concentrate. You still have to yeah. be conscious. And that's where like, like with your 12 hour and the staying focused for that amount of time and, you know, foilings, minute movements, little pitch. Yeah. You're always con constantly reading every bump that comes to you. Do you compensate with a bit of pitch move? Whatever it is, you're always reading it. And yeah. that's where, you know, I I don't know where the limit is because, you know, it is aerobic, but the yeah. mental side mental, of it, Mental fatigue. No idea. Yeah. yeah. I actually, well, I've done probably more downwind than I have trying to do this, but I find the downwind easier because with the wind at your back, the patterns are almost, for me, they're more uh they're easier for me to read whereas yeah. doing like half an hour an hour an hour and a half two and a half 246 in one surf spot not only does the surf change but every wave is different by like a lot depending on the angle um depending on you know there's shallow spots there's weed in some spots there's um turbulence and to me that's i think you're you have to be more aware of what's going on and I'm going to bring it back to comparing your run to Bennett's run. And Bennett's had, you know, a drone and a land footage and freaking GoPro and something on his head. And, you know, he had all this stuff. So we saw him surfing the wave, like, and not surfing conservative, like, in oh. any respect. Like, he was ripping and just decided at, like, 50 minutes, oh, I may as well go for see how long I can go. Um, 
to go for an hour and seven ripping like he was is despite the backwash and the sidewash and all the stuff helping him super impressive but yeah. i think it's actually something very different to what you did you i guess you've controlled the variables more by having that rip um or do you think you know by choosing the setup the spot you did i think for the to, to try to break your record which you could probably be the next one to break your record but to try to break it you, you probably need like to me i'm thinking after seeing you your average on your gps was it said 13 but i think you we talked about before the gps sort of cut the corners so you probably closer to 17 or 18 um to be able to do that i think you need a big foil so you can yeah. and i think the smaller the waves the better because there's less difference between when i'm riding the wave and then when i'm pumping back out the closer you can have those two things together the easier it is going to be to relax on the wave and then almost and relax pumping back out whereas if there's big swell and you have to use a smaller foil you have to work harder on the way back out is how i think about it that the, the energy differential is greater if the swell is big because you have to use a small foil when you're riding the wave and then a big foil to pump back out or you know yeah yeah that's... absolutely and i think yeah the bigger the swell the more varied it is set to set mm. you know there's the more energy it has or a set has it's it's interacting with headlands with with the contours of the bottom a lot further out than it would if it's a small swell, it just interacts closer to shore. Mm. And so there's less variables to read in the swell, less things to go wrong. And, and I think, yeah, you're totally right. Like I limited or eliminated as many variables as I could. Realistically, I just wanted like one peak and I just wanted it to be solely, really, it's, it's just a fitness thing. Yeah. Of course, there's, you know, experience and kind of just let, like kind of finding that rhythm with the ocean. But really, it's a lot on the fly. And that's where, like, like downwind, as you said, you find a good rhythm with the wind, the swell, and how you kind of link those bumps. And with this, every time is different. Sometimes you just do jump over two waves, quickly get a small one because there's just nothing coming. You pump a little, like, do some short laps, then commit to a bigger lap if you mm. saw something. Constant and also decision-making. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots Which of decision-making. Is... And I think that's those variables are what, you know, maybe I got a lucky run, who knows, but... Nah. Maybe I was forty six. <laughs> isn't lucky. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I just eliminate the variables and get it as as to as simple of an equation as you can, and just yeah, small swell. I think almost a, a shorter period, just so you don't have yeah. the kind of lulls between the sets. Yeah. And ultimately, I know WA, which I, I just spent some time over there. They've only got one title cycle a day, whereas we've got two. So. Yeah, you know we've got more aggressive tide, so it changes rapidly. So mm. if you're somewhere that doesn't isn't as tidal or just has smaller tides, also another thing that'll kind of make it easier. But yeah, and yeah, there's so many variables and small periods, small surf. Yeah, no tide. <laughs> <laughs> man, it, honestly, it's really impressive. Well done, mate. And and uh, thanks. That man. was um, you can I think you said like I've, I hope I haven't. I think it was a comment like I've might have um, lit the fire in your belly for this. And to, to me, it's completely different to downwind foiling. And I, I could do three hours downwinds like tomorrow without training. Um, that, I'd have to tune in my equipment, I feel like, and the conditions. And um, I even find just downwinding in like five knots and no swell, almost offshore offshore wind, easier than what you did. So when, when you were like, you have to be in the one peak, I'm like, oh, there goes my plan of just going like out to sea and just downwind and then come back to the same spot, if, you know. But it's, yeah, um, yeah. 
in the surf zone. Really well done. And I guess also it's worth mentioning that the Armstrong 1325 I haven't used, but obviously all the high aspect Armstrong stuff I've found is quite a high stall speed. Um, obviously the 1325 would be less high because <laughs> it's a bigger foil. <laughs> And and um, the, that um, crisp tail obviously lowers that stall speed too, but it's a fast foil, and you, obviously you make it look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was yeah was my big my big debate before it. I think the, the thirteen twenty five is really similar to the ART ten nine nine from Axis. Mm-hmm. I think similar amounts of lift, and or for me anyway, if, you know, if I'm powered up on a wave, they're pretty pretty similar amounts of lift. But yeah, yeah as you said, that it's a little quicker. It's you know, add, but the compromise is the highest stall speed so yeah and i think you know my weight being pretty light i'm not as worried about the bottom end but yeah. it was more the top end that sort of i just knew that if i went for, far out i need something that you know even if i go quite far out we'll still be able to just ride that lump kind of more of a not an open ocean but yeah a much yeah. faster lump it's yeah. Good, yeah it's good it, it, i guess the best way to explain it is as the wave comes into shallower water there's more drag or friction and in deeper water they move quicker um, especially yeah. it seems as it approaches the the waves at to anyway, the way it wraps in it, it around headlands it does different things to out in the middle as um but yeah let's 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 move on for that let's um amazing let's go into downwind and um you've just been to hood river and did amazing things over there but also and hand paddles prone downwind foiling on a six a, a, an armstrong prototype board um that you helped design or probably maybe did design or put input into um Talk to us about that. And, and you just you just recently, you, just, you put up a clip of you paddling in with just swimming hand paddles, not just not the Dave Kalama dinner plates, just standard, you know, cutting out the webbing, essentially, swim paddles with, with holes in them too. So they're not even bad. Yeah, extra yeah. Pool, but um, talk, us, talk us through that. Yeah, so we got our Hood River was all on a smaller downwind board. So it was a 511 narrow. I think it was about 19 and a half, 19 and a quarter around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was me and it was another guy, Nathan Took, who's the currently, I think, the CEO of Armstrong. But we kind of went like he'd had no stuff experience, and it was early morning. The wind was around. I'm like, let's just try prone paddle them up. And you know, I think in the ocean without paddles, you'd need a pretty big board, especially like there's no way in the conditions that we had you'd be able to do it. Or say, in the, if you put flip, put the flip side within the ocean with 18 knots of wind no paddles on a 511 you're not i don't think it's happening really mm-hmm. and i think the way hood river works if people don't know you've got wind going in one direction down the gorge and a current going in the other direction so it stands the waves up they're really steep and vertical and especially at the location that we're at i mean as you start to do downwind runs down hood river you go through the wave change or the the bumps change so much from spot to spot like every 100 meters they can change and the spot that we did it sort of gets a heap of refraction that sort of bounces off um, the rocks on the side, as well as those sort of quite steep bumps. You get really wedgy swell. So it was just, we didn't know it was possible. And we just sort of went out and you just kind of realised quickly that you find one of those wedges and you're going to be going, like you're going to be up. So, yeah. and both of us, we'd got a surf background. He didn't have any SUP experience. So it was harder for him or almost impossible for him to even contemplate trying to SUP it. So we're just like, let's just try prone. And that was sort of one of the first little light bulbs that went off. And But to be honest, I kind of just put it to the conditions. I was like, it's Hood River. Like, eh, is it really possible in the ocean? I was like, probably not. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was coming back and it was only, 
there's a guy Jordan from um, Eastern Suburbs in yeah. Sydney who started making these um, hand paddles. Yeah. And I saw his post and he was flat water. I think I've seen Katie Maui do it too, like trying to flat yeah. water start with like the on hand their paddles. knees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, but I same thing. I saw the knee stuff and I was like, oh, like that's kind of hard too. But for me, I was like, surely you could just prone paddle in. So yeah, yeah. Yesterday was last night. I this same time last night, I took out a the neck size up, so the six six Armstrong board. And just little swimming hand paddles. Yeah, holes all through them. I, I noticed as soon as I got in the water, I was like, oh, like I feel the water going through the hole. We're like, okay, these aren't great, but yeah. let's give it a go. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, you can put a lot of power down quick because you've got two hands. Gosh, you're going absolutely yeah. crazy it's, it's, I guess it's the equivalent of a surf ski, you know, that, yeah. that, that but where's a paddle? Exactly. Boom, boom, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things was it was really... I think I've always, from your podcast, been kind of trying to tune into the whole feel the bumps, feel the push. But yeah. laying on the board, you feel so, you're so, one is you're stable. You know, yep. you're not worried about instability. You're just laying there and you, you just really feel the pushes with the yep. wave. So it was, even though, you know, you can't look back as far as you would um, when you're supping, which is a good thing also. Yeah. You just really, <laughs> you, can, you really get the feeling for that. Oh, that was a big push. And then you just yeah. fall back into it and really go and. You know, it's interesting, like we just chatted about it before and it's saying Zane Westwood just sent me a message before this and he said he had a crack with the Jordan's paddles as well um, out on the northern beach. So I don't know how much wind you guys had today. I didn't hear, but... A little southerly, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in Victoria right now, but I think there were guys were downwinding, so I think it was windy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he said he got up. He said it was way easier than he thought. So, yeah. And I think, yeah, there's a... there's. I mean, there's plenty to unpack in that, but... In, you know, we come from a surfing background. So for us, quick, hard paddle and a pop-up to the feet is very natural. Like that's yeah. bread and butter to us and it's so instinctual. Yeah. Whereas, you know, then learning the SUP for us was a real, that was hard. Yeah. So I don't think it's a like, oh, forget about the SUP and just go paddle. I think it depends on your background. It dep- There's yeah. a lot of variables that will come into that. Yeah. And I think ultimately if you get a light push or with a SUP paddle, you can work it up. You can kind of keep going with it get that kind of to release and get it up. But with the hand paddles prone, I don't see it happening. Maybe on your knees, you know, watching those guys. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you yeah. can start to work it up on your knees, but then you add in being on your knees is less stable than laying. So yeah, you know, the power, higher up you yeah. get, the less stable you're going to be. So, you know, there's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Nah, so, and and I, I'm, um, I haven't tried it with the hand paddles. I've tried it on a four... No five o or something. One of the first downwinders I ever did was in Maui with Finn and Jeffrey Spencer, and we just chipped into a wave and downwinded, and it was on a Maliko, the original Maliko, whatever it is, one eighty or it is smaller than the two hundred, and that sort of put me off prone because I fell off like halfway between two bombies or two bits of reef, and I had to paddle to the next reef, and then the chipping wasn't easy because it was a wave that was pretty big and breaking into deep water. So it was too big on the outside and then too small on the inside, too less, not enough power on the inside. And I couldn't, I couldn't paddle into bumps, not the four footer that was like 28 litres. So I was like, well, and on a small foil, this is five years ago. Um, I was like, ah, SUP makes a lot more sense to me because I've done a lot of SUP racing. I've also, I grew up surfing, like I was a surfer first. Um, but be, to me, the, the paddle allows you to pump and paddle as you're getting up. Not only before, but, but as you're halfway up, you can take another paddle stroke. 
Whereas if I'm prone and I'm going to pop up to my feet, then there's a, you know, there's a moment where I can't just generate my own speed. I've got to get to my feet and then then I can pump. Whereas if I can pat, generate my own speed and pump at the same time, that's where I see the benefit. But um, yeah, I, 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 I want to try it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually talked to Jordan today. I hadn't talked to him for ages and he's um, just sent me a pair of the paddles. So I'm going to dive into it a little bit more deeper just to kind of, and I think like you said, that it is that you, you can work a sup, you can work it up. If you feel that bump, you kind of there, you can really, you know, you can take, 20, 30, 40, more strokes, just really start to work it up, get that speed, get it on foil. But with especially prone, you've got a split. As soon as you make that call to jump to your feet, it's either you're up or you're not. There's yeah. no real way yeah, yeah. around it's it. There's no be, way to keep getting power in. It's got to be a good bump. And that's yeah. and, and that doesn't mean they're not out there, but that's that's what that's what's held me back from trying it is I can get up like 10 seconds if in half decent conditions and, and with, with a with the big foil like five seconds in good conditions with with a big foil and then maybe if i'm using a smaller foil it's like maybe 10 to 15 maybe 20 seconds at the most but like that's my if i fall i'm back up in 20 seconds yeah like literally i did a run a day the other day and big nor'easter and i fell three times and i looked at my falls like my kilometers for those times i fell it was no more than 20 seconds added to any of those kilometers on those falls. And so Zane was like, how did you catch me? I thought you fell three times. I'm like, <laughs> it, it was just my, my foil was the right speed for the, for the bumps, but I was just um, falling a lot. Um, mast was too short was my excuse. So I'd used, I'd winged on a 90 centimeter and then like an hour before then went down with on a 75. So more excuses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but point, I think. But the point is I can get up quick and that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's interesting because I think, I mean, again, I've done this now. Well, I did it once at Hood Rivers, which I'm kind of neglecting. I didn't have paddles, whereas now I've done it once and it was once. Yeah. I laid on the board. I got like, had, you know, I could kind of got a feel the bump, went for one and was like, oh, that was okay. And I sort of sat up and then went, oh, all right. And then it was, again, yeah, yeah, 10 seconds later I got up. So mm. I don't have a whole lot to. Not a big sample size. Yeah, yeah it's not a big sample size. Go, yeah, this is, this is what we're, I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah. I think. You know, this, the blades that Jordan's got, I think, are about 80, 82 square inches. That's the same size as my paddle blade. I got yep. a Sonova 82. Yeah. I've got So then I've got one of them in each hand. And yeah. it's that, you know, with the SUP, it's that one stroke, pull, and there's a lag, you know, then the next stroke, pull. Yep. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not the quickest sprint. I, I don't have any yeah, stuff. You're not a paddler. Like, yes, no, I'm not yeah. a paddler, yeah. And, and, that's, and, and that's, that's where, yeah, prone, I've, I just got like bang, 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 bang. And it's, it was, it was maybe four strokes, tops. Yep. And yeah. it's such a short, quick acceleration. And but with the sup, you get that push and then you stay with the bump, you work it, get the release, and you drop into it. Yeah. You can, yeah. Whereas with that, it was just you've got that, it's a much shorter opportunity and a very fast everything. Just, bang, bang, go, and it's either yeah. yes or no. And yeah. so is that reliable when you're out doing a long run? I don't know. Because yeah, again, very small sample size. So but, but the other thing I guess to, to think about it is if um if, if you know you if you have the confidence that you can get up in you know like out to sea whether it takes and like yeah i guess my what i'm trying to say is if you know have the confidence that you're going to get up out to sea with those hand paddles um one i don't know about you but like a fall during a downwind run isn't a common occurrence like if yeah. i'm doing a 10 or 15 kilometer run if i fall it's like oh, i fell today like 
how bad is that? Like I fell and it's like, damn it. So you may only have to do it once, maybe yeah. twice, you know, and that's, and that's, um, that's, it makes it, um, I guess more appealing. I don't know. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. like, it, it gives you the, okay, it's not that like, I know John, John Florence and his brother, Nathan Florence have been doing like turtle Bay to Mokalay. It's like a 35 kilometer downwind run, maybe longer even. Um, not, it's on their prone boards on a lift 120 or something. And they're just, they're out to sea a long way. There are yeah. reefs they, if they fall, but they, they don't seem to fall. Um, but if they do, they've got the confidence that they can paddle to an outside reef break and chip in and keep going. In Australia, East Coast, that's not really the case. If you fall, you have to go to a point break or beach break and chip in and pump back out to the wind line. Um, I guess, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, there are people that don't fall for down runs and so it's yeah. less important for them to get up again. So if you're doing a down run and not falling very often and there's no seaweed and there's no turtles and there's no rubbish to run into, you know, because that's seriously, yeah. they're usually sometimes yeah. they're some of the bigger causes of falls. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, and that's, yeah, I think I look back on it now and I was did a run last week with uh, two weeks ago with some guys that were sort of new to it. And I sort of show, I took them on. We did the run that I normally do. We took a ski with us as well. And they were sort of like, you did this by yourself. Like, you know, I the way we, you know, I've got a headland that sticks out pretty far and it's a good 25Ks home, but you end up 3Ks offshore yeah. if you just go straight. And you're yeah. cutting left as well to go out even wider for a lot of it so you get an even straighter run at the end. Yeah. And they're like, you did this by yourself. And it was my second run ever in the ocean. And I was like, you know, the first run was in a bay. So it's sort of you always had an escape plan along the side, yeah. but this was like, all right, that's good. And to be honest, like it's that confidence. I don't know why I had that confidence. I look back on it and it was like that was mm, probably not the best. But yeah, yeah, I was ambitious, but it's saying I didn't fall. You know, I got up once and that was it. Yeah. And so you know, I've never been, I've never struggled with the staying on foil, mm. but I think it's that you need either it's, whether it's equipment or whatever you know, sup or paddles. You need to be confident that you can get back up out there. Yeah, and that that plays in your mind. You oh, end yeah. up wasting a lot of energy if you're out there pumping too much because you're too scared to get even close to that stall speed. Rather, just glide through it all. You're yeah. wasting energy and you're just getting nervous. And yeah. so, if you're confident, you back yourself and just go, "Yeah, I got this." Like, it seems Jeez. to work out. Yeah. Seems yeah. to work for you, prone in the surf too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, even I guess Zane and I have done a couple just from I guess it's a four k run. It's Narrabeen to Coleroy. And you chip in at the point at Narrabeen and go all the way to the beach, Coleroy. And it's, it's just one long beach break, no headlands to go around, which is why we do it. Um, but even on that run, we're like maybe a K, 800 meters to a kilometer out to sea. And um, the first couple of times, they, like, or even still when we do it, it's like, it's a different, we're making different decisions and we're turning less hard because we're scared of falling. Yeah. Like, because it's like, I don't want to fall out here because then I got to, not only, like, not, not even that you, even if you aren't scared of falling a kilometer out to sea, it's more, if I fall, I have to, on a four, four, five, you know, 30 liter board, I've got to paddle in to the beach, find a wave to chip in on and then pump back out to where I was. So it's a, it's a 10 minute exercise minimum, yeah. you know, maybe 15, maybe 20, depending on how far out you are. And I guess for me, because I know how to sup and I've, to, to me with the paddle, it's, it's, it, Actually, this is another question I have for you. What is this, that 6.6 six you were using with the hand paddles at home yesterday, 
was that board bigger or smaller than what you'd normally use on you know sup downwinding bigger definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. so i think that actually which is a, an interesting topic i mean boards have changed in the last oh, six months or yeah, it's just gotten it's ridiculous where boards yeah. how much boards have changed and how much is coming out you know spending time in hood river you sort of seeing what you know like kt we, they were prototyping some boards and seeing what they were coming up with and yeah you know i got to chat with marcus tardra over in wa over the weekend and you know pick his brain a little and you just see like yeah. boards are changing aggressively and i mean i think it's one making it more accessible like things like what you know ultimately so much of this is coming from what dave's doing kalama yeah, over in sure. hawaii i mean the Barracuda, which when I first saw it was just like, why? I was like, what on earth is that? I just yeah. was like, oh, I don't like you're kind of a bit. It's been a hit. Like guys are yeah. loving it. Yeah. And I think that was, yeah, a real turning point for boards. And I think, I think the Barracuda is probably extreme, but I don't struggle paddling up. So for a lot exactly. of guys, that's the only way you're going to get up is that board. So that's yeah. awesome. That just means there's more guys getting into it. And yeah. You know, for me, like you said, that when you're doing a run and you're nervous about falling, a lot of my initial runs, I was alone and I'm middle of the ocean by myself. I'm not used to this environment. I'm not used to it. I'm used to surfing a reef 20 metres from shore and that, that's yeah. as far away as it gets. All of a sudden, by yourself that far out, 3Ks offshore, it's, it's intimidating. And I started changing, you know, you're not going for turns as hard. You're, you're nursing it a little. You're being cautious. And I think now that I've gotten better at paddling, I've actually started to surf downwind and actually do mm. not be worried about falling. Because like you said, it takes 20, okay, you're 10 to 20 seconds on a minute, let's say. <laughs> yeah, but still. But it's yeah. rare that it's over a minute. Yeah. And that's where like it's all of a sudden it's like, I'm not worried if I come down. So it's like, I can do turns. I can. And like when you're out there, a lot of guys, you know, just want to go straight all the time, every time. But yep. you get through a good section with good bumps. It's like a skate park. It's like, you kick off one wave and there's just a perfect bowly wedge yeah, sitting bowl. behind it and you're going straight yeah. at it. And it's like ripping to that. And, it's yeah. just, <laughs> and like, that's where I kind of see the, the shorter board. So like, you know, if I do a standard run, I've got a, the 511 I, in, and the you know, mass is very far forward in that just the way the board's been made. And for me, I can rip it around and really turn it. And so it's a whole different sport to surf downwind than to kind of try and go quick. And yes. yeah. so for me now, like just with the confidence, man, I just, like downwinding is not just the same thing. It's some days let's surf it downwind. Some days yep. let's try and go real fast. And, yep. and then you get sections where it's, you know, it just the conditions change and it's like, yeah. I'll do something different. I'll start going quick again. Or Yeah. No, I, I, that's that's a really good point. I, I, I chatted to, um, I did my first race in Maui on a foil and I was frothing on downwind foiling. I was frothing on downwind before that and um, just on the SUP and like, you know, the surf or the skate park that it can be in certain conditions. Um, and I went, to this race and um i was in the maliko 200 because conditions were a little bit light and nathan van buren rocked up with a high aspect wing the, the other thing was the, the first one that was used in the race anyway that i know of and i don't think I mean, he either won or got second or third to kai on an mfc and i took off you know we're all in the start line we're all excited let's go let's go racing racing take off and i'm up one of the first um just stoked because i was like you know groms like kai and Jeffrey and Finn Spencer, just like lightweights, whippets getting up and I'm like got a good 10 to 20 kilos on some of those guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm with the little guys. Let's go. <laughs> and then as soon as I get going, everyone's going past me and I'm like, man, I'm not even in this. 
And after yeah. the three or four kilometers, I literally, I didn't give up, but I'm like, well, I'm just going to enjoy this run. And I went way out wide to where the bumps are bigger and just started turning and surfing. And I got some sick photos um, by the boat, but I was like, I knew I wasn't in the race anymore. So, and then after that, I'm like, how do we make downwind foiling not a race? So it's more fun. And I was like, we need to, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but we need to somehow have like average watches and that's, you know, not perfect, imperfect because watches are all a little bit different. GPS isn't, isn't perfect, but um, watches and that measure your average speed for the run and your total distance. So if it's a 10 kilometer run and I average um, 25 Ks an hour and do 15 kilometers, then I'm winning. But then if you do, yeah. if you do 10 kilometers, but average 28, I'm ahead of you because I've done more distance, you know, yeah. so there's, there'll yeah. be some sort of formula you can sort of come up with, but I'm like, how do we make it surf downwind foiling and enjoy yeah. the glide? and the turns rather than just pin the ears back and straight down the line. Yeah. And that I like was, that. Longest distance. Distance. Same run, but distance. And you've got, to, you've got to factor most... in your average speed too because, like, I could use a P&G 1300 and, like, just go super slow <laughs> and just go across the wind one way and across the wind the other. And that's yeah, not that's fun true. either. So yeah. average speed, is, you've got to factor that in too, but distance and average speed to calculate the Ooh. overall winner. So I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah. something in it. I think there's something yeah. in it. Especially for the slow guys. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what's getting kind of interesting. I think for a while there we were, you know, like when, when I first started foiling, um, I think board, sorry, not foiling, when I first started downwind supping, I think the boards were lacking behind. Yeah. So for me, I had to ride something that was had a low end and was really quite lifty which the compromise was I struggled really like when you're out there, essentially you've got yeah, your wind bumps and your swell lines. But obviously it can be multiple of each a little bit, but in general, wind slower, the swell bumps are moving fast. And to drop into those swell lines, you see them when the big swell lines stand up. Quite often I was on a floor that I could start to drop in, but I was either it was a little bit too slow or I just got way too much and I had to peel off behind it and then sit in a wind bump to kind of wait to link back into the next swell line behind it. Yeah. Whereas now, and that's, I think initially, you know, it was more, we were all just going, oh yeah, foil choice, whatever. Whereas now I think boards have caught up to where the foils are. I think you're right. And you see it with so many brands, like guys are going smaller and smaller and foils are getting, you know, I think we kind of, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but I think we all ran from essentially low aspects to high aspects. Yeah. And I think we... It was a big jump from a lot of brands. You know, whether you look at it from lift going from the surf wings to the high aspects, Armstrong, same thing, HS. I think Axis did it really well because they had the HPS wings in between. the B, like they were, It was much more of a gradual stepping to mm. get up there. But for a lot of other brands, it was a big jump. Yeah. And guys kind of went, you know, oh, no, nah, this isn't working. Like the lift 120, that's impossible to with. You can't paddle it up. Yeah. And at the time, you know, the foils were there to ride the swell and the speed, but we didn't have boards that could paddle up those wings. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I agree. The boards have helped, but I think also the, like, for me, the board was it, it's the it's the sup or the, or the skill. I think because like Marcus and I have been able to paddle up, like I was paddling up the GL140 when it first came out, like, and that's that's a pretty old wing now. Um, so it's and that was on old boards too. Um, like, I'm not a standard. <laughs> sup paddler yeah, like, yeah. I, like there's sup pad like i always ask people when i do lessons have you paddled this up before yeah i paddled this up they paddle like a 10 6 by 32 in the lake like they're yeah. not they're not racing a sup and even like someone that surfs us up isn't racing us up and 
um, there's there's a skill level, and, and that's I was chatting to Mark about like because we've been developing downwind boards for like not production because and that's another thing I want to talk about. There was never the demand for these boards because yeah. no one was interested in downwind falling. I'd credit this podcast because no one was doing it with me. I'm like, come on, people, let's do it. It's fun. Um, yeah, and I feel like um, from Dave and hopefully like my podcast growing the downwind foil game that the board design has developed. And I, I definitely big hats off to Dave for developing the big, long, extreme. And Marcus and I still big believe it's over the top for our skill level. Like I'd never want to use a seven, six or eight footer downwind. Um, much in my first board, downwind board was a seven, two by 24, right. which like, that's pretty, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty so close like, to being on the money for nowadays yeah. standards even. Yeah, so like, but we progress smaller and smaller because our skill, like Marcus and I were paddlers. And yeah. so we were a bad test pilot because our <laughs> skill level, for, for our paddling level was too high for the standard foiler. And I think Dave's too, his initial boards were short and wide. Him learning to prone with hand paddles, like, the Barracuda was a prone downwind foil board. Yeah, yeah. And and his struggle in learning to prone or his, yeah, his struggle or his his journey to learn to prone downwind foil gave birth to the Barracuda. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, so it took someone, like, and that's like the fact that he could paddle prevented him from creating something that was good for SUP, but doing something that he couldn't do, which is like you learning to SUP. Yeah allowed him to develop a board that was good for someone who didn't sup and yeah, that's yeah. that's where i think the magic is like because dave and marcus and i've been like we've been downwind just downwind brained for like 10 years like dave was doing molokai before i even started paddling and i then went over to mount i was paddling with him and one of my first races he's you know we, we used to race, Dave and I raced a couple times together and he smoked me most of them and I got in the last one. I think he hasn't raced since. <laughs> it, 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 he smokes me downwind still when it, on the foil when it's big. Um, but basically what I'm saying is coming from a downwind, like already knowing how to downwind, didn't help us develop a good downwind board for those that did not downwind. Yeah, and it took yeah. Dave doing prone board to, to allow that to create something that was good for everyone else. And, yeah. and that's where I think um, we've caught up. That was the the breakthrough, I think, to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's the same thing watching me now, you know, doing prone paddle-ups. Mm. It's, that's my, surfing that quick pop-up and short shove, that's my bread and butter. That's my background. That's what I, I still surf probably more than I foil. And so for, you know, some people looking at that going, oh, I'm going to skip the paddling and just do that. It's like, it's the same as watching you go suck down. Like, you've got the strong paddle, all that, you know, you, you can suck so well. So for you paddling up, everyone watches that and goes, oh, that looks easy. And it's the same as, you know, I wouldn't watch me and go, oh, yeah, sick. That's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm light. I surf heaps. And, like, that's all we do when we paddle in. We've got a lot of ways of just, like, little chip in and work it up. And it's like, yeah. So it'll be interesting. And, you know, maybe, which is one side of, you know, maybe boards will develop towards a prone. You know, I think the Barracuda is towards that. But, because you're not having to stand on it. I mean, yeah. you go as narrow as your stance is really. It's yeah, just, you just sure. want it as long and as narrow as possible. Not as long because, yeah. Yeah, so there's, and that's, it, that's worth mentioning. Like the length helps the pa- glide, paddle speed. 
But once you're up and foiling it, you know, all the guys in the Barracuda say it's not an issue. They're also on a Maliko run, which is nothing's an issue on a Maliko <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah. And, but if you're not getting up, go longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, like I say to people, like, oh, do I want the 7.6 or the, you know, or the 7 foot? And I'm like, are you getting up? Like, no, 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 just, I want to know if I, once I get what will be better. I'm like, forget about getting up. If you're not getting up on a seven footer, you you'll want the seven six. I guarantee it. Yeah, and yeah. that's that is the truth. You, you've like, got to get on foil. Like that's foil. as as great as everything looks. The hardest part is to get on foil. Once you're on yeah. foil, everything's good again. Yeah, but to get on foil, that's that's where all the gains are. Whether with the boards, the paddles, all that sort of stuff is all about just getting on foil. Yeah, and if you can't paddle up a seven zero, you got to go longer. It's yeah. just all a lot narrower. And I mean, I think. It was actually interesting because I, I learned initially on your the Aviator 6'4", 29 wide. Wide. Yeah. Actually paddled it recently. Just uh, when I had a friend that yeah. I actually there was actually a lot of things that I learned about paddling it again. Yeah. About things about the tail, like how it picks up that initial bump so much better than what we're on now. And I think you see it with like the Barracudas that they're so narrow and such that kind of those bevels that come to a point, the bump kind of goes around that bevel. You know, mm. it doesn't get the same push. And even now with my boards that are 19 and a bit wide, I don't feel it as, as much, even with the 6.6, six, whereas that mm. old 6.4, it's such a quite a wide tail. I got the push. Yeah. But then I just couldn't accelerate it. If that's so, you just, know, there's... Yeah. The first time I found that, I, I was I was using, probably since we came out with the Aviator with Sonova, um, I was using it for downwind, I was using a, a custom. And then for the in the surf, I'd use the production, and I was pushing for the production. There'd be a downwind production range too, and yeah. basically the owners of Sonova were like, "How many of these are you going to sell? Like, who's going to buy a, a a six foot by twenty two wideboard? Who? Like, no one can yeah. use it, James. Only you and Marcus are the only two that use. It. We'll just make you a custom, and let's make the surf sup foil." something that's usable you know we'll make it a little bit short a little bit wider give it more width and i was like yeah it makes sense like we'll sell more so it makes more sense i wish i'd pushed for something longer and skinnier now like honestly yeah yeah but, but there just there wasn't a there was no demand like there was maybe 10 people doing it when when we came out with the aviator which was three years ago maybe four years ago um how things have changed now there's yeah, like it's yeah. so cool i'm frothing like to see all these boards and like yeah like dave is the, the godfather of it i truly believe but like marcus and i have been developing downwind boards for for foiling for as long as dave and um a lot of brands have jumped on it recently and they're well they're not copying but they're definitely taking in when i say copy like i think everything is a copy of something and if something someone copies your stuff it's a compliment to what you've done yeah and yeah. like I, I had a conversation with dave actually was messaging him and um i said oh you know you didn't invent the long and skinny high volume board because there's prone paddle boards that are already that um i used a bark as an example but he said it was actually a different um jerry lopez and um someone strata were, were the guys that and i want to get dave on here to, to discuss where this inspiration came from but basically there's a prone paddleboard that he's used aspects of that to create the barracuda what the genius that dave has done is he took it from paddleboarding like prone paddleboarding yeah and put it into sup foiling or, or for foiling and that's when what no one had ever done before they go like, oh, foiling you want a small board 
because once you're up, it's way better. Yeah. How do we get up? Yeah. <laughs> How do we get more people to get up? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think he's, and that's actually, I mean, it was, it's interesting looking at, a, I guess, say, I think where, say, Sonova is at the moment with their new um, downwind boards, the elites and the pros. I think, to me, I think that they're on the money. And I was saying that to Marks. I think like they are. Right things, yeah. <laughs> so I think you look at the, you know, Dave's boards at the moment, you've got the, I think it's the E3 and then the Barracudas. And I think the E3 initially you saw, it was the first guys that were getting on them were either team riders or team riders from other, you know, from foil brands that were jumping on them and they ripped. They yeah. were super fit guys getting on. And they, you know, it was hard. Like we all went through the struggle. Like it was so hard to learn. Eventually they're getting them up. But mm. for the average bloke, that's not that attainable. I think the Barracuda yeah. went to then almost the other extreme, though. It went like, this is so easy to get up. It's really accessible. But I think there's that middle ground. And around that, you know, mid sixes to low sevens, mm. kind of in that range. And I think that's probably where most people will end up anyway. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I, which is another thing, I guess, is how far we can push the width of the boards. Yeah. And I had it with this latest one. And, you know, you see, I think I've seen Kane to Wild on a 16, ridiculously I, I narrow. I think I saw 14. Like, I, I think, think Nathan yeah. and Kane were on 14 wide in flat water. But yeah. 14, like, my foot is probably bigger than 14. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kane said that he said his, his foot offset is 16. So he needs to get, he said the 14, he couldn't even offset his feet enough. Yeah. But I mean, and that was what's really interesting on this Armstrong for the, And I was, when I got to Hood River, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself paddling out on a 19 wide board. I'm like, I'm just going to be all over the shop. Mm. But it was barely different to my 22. And yeah. I think, the you know, you get to a point where you narrow it so much, but we've got a big foil that sits under there. And it's like a boat. It's a keel. And you get to a point where keep narrowing, narrowing. Eventually, the dominant stabilizes that keel or the mast. So I think I think we've kind of almost got there. And a lot of guys say that. I know, like, um, Andrew over in um, WA, one of Marcus's friends, he's gone, he was one of the first guys I saw went down to 19. Yeah. And I was like, how does it paddle? He's like, pretty much the same as my other board. Yeah. But it's just way faster and easier. So, yeah. you know, I think while Dave's stretching it out, I'm hoping that we can get it back shorter, but keep it narrow. So, you know, then the swing weight says you can surf it a bit more, but still have that ease of paddling up. So, yeah, I agree. I, I, there's I, still room for development. So, Dave. I, Keep working, mate. Yeah, keep working, mate. <laughs> we can't wait to see what you come up with next. Um, I truly believe that Dave has set the the bar for getting people into it. Yeah, and I yeah. think the other board, like the like, um, how am I trying to say? So, someone that buys a seven six barracuda or eight foot barracuda, I don't believe that's going to be their last downwind board or their yeah, only downwind yeah. board. I think they will, like everyone's done, they will go down to a point where it becomes too short where they lose that benefit. And, and like, I've done a lot of, we've, with Tanova and with Marcus, we've done a lot of prototyping, like lots of downwind boards. And we started at 7.2 and we worked all the way down to 5.10 and then came back up. What am I, I'm on the 6.3 now. Yeah. But we hung around the 6.6 for a long time, went down to the 5.10, went to 6.0 and we believe that was the best for us. Up around the 6.2 to 6.3 now for, for our conditions. Yeah. I also think, depending on conditions, the length of the board is going to be different too. So yes. like for, if I was going to do Molokai tomorrow, it's pretty much a flat start, but wind at your back. And there's little bumps, but it's, it's like a assisted flat water paddle up. I would want a long skinny board yeah. so I could get yeah. up on the smallest foil I could. If I'm in the middle, if, I'm, if I was starting the same race in the middle of the channel, 
I wouldn't want that long skinny board anymore. I'd want, if I was in good conditions, I would probably want a six, two maximum and, you know, whatever width was stable, 21 to 14, <laughs> whatever yeah, people are using yeah. these days. So I think there's a lot to say in that. Like as people's skills get better, it'd be interesting to see if people stay on their seven, six to eight footers or they come down to yeah, s- the yeah. mid six range. That's And I think, yeah, racing, which is interesting because, yeah, I think racing in a lot of places, it's dependent on how quickly you get up. Mm. So using those longer boards, you are going to get it. You're going to get up a smaller foil and you're going to get up quicker. And unless, you don't you make, ha- unless it's so long that you're making a mistake, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, then you've got the other side of what's the finish like, what's the middle like, what's the start like, you know, yeah. if you've got good bumps, you know, maybe having a longer board is not too bad. And guys talk about the barracuda, it pumps well, it's swing weight doesn't feel too bad. I mean, if you're going straight, I assume, I mean, as soon as you want to start whipping it around a bit tighter, I Yeah, that, that, that clip you put up it. of your hand yeah. paddling in and then you're freaking throwing that thing around like that <laughs> yeah. was impressive. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the, um, the balance. That was almost the most impressive thing to me about that clip. Not only did you hand paddle in, but you got up and then you started turning it like you're on a freaking yeah. four-footer. <laughs> and that's, that to me, like that's what I want to do downwind. And that's what I... I can't see a barracuda whipping around. Like maybe I'm wrong. I, I know Dave did sense. a 360 on the barracuda just the other day. He's like, yeah, you can turn this thing. <laughs> he's a freak. He's, he's very talented. Freak. And, and yeah. I, I also, I just proned my 6.3 today um, here in a clinic in Torquay or, you know, area. And um, you can definitely turn a 6.3 just as good as you can yeah. a 4. Like, you just have to get used to that swing and there's less margin for error. It's like if I'm two nose down, I'm going to nose dive that much earlier on a six footer rather than a four footer. And that's, there's the. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge. And that's, yeah. Then the pumping with it, you know, however you want to, like, whether it's swing weight, it makes it pump you still got a longer nose. Yeah. So if you're, you've got less room on your mask sort of to be at in that pumping sweet spot. So if there's backwash or shorter period bumps or yeah. all these things are what's tripping up. And there was a, yeah, there was a few examples of Shep Nelson. I haven't spoken to him about it, but. I heard from an, um, Julian, I think it was, who said that he had a hard time in um, Barracuda felt epic in the Maliko run and Kihei, like on Maui, came to do a race on Oahu and the shorter period, trickier bumps made it a lot harder for him on the Barracuda. It was the first time he felt maybe this isn't the perfect board for me in all conditions. Yeah, yeah. Shorter period, messed up stuff. Real world. I call it real world. <laughs> real world stuff. Real world, real world downwind. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, that was what, yeah, in Hood River, because you've got such tight bumps. Mm. A barracuda spans peak to peak almost, mm. you know, which with is, an eight foot. Yeah. Which, which I is mean, okay, what, I think. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. I, like I've, I've paddled 19 foot boards in like yeah. Hawaii and people like, oh, you can't go longer than 17 foot. And we, we went up to 19 and a half and the glide was there. That was harder to control. Um, so the, the, the boards themselves still fit in the bump but it's the ability to control it and, and turn it from bump to bump, which was the limiting factor. Like there's guys yeah. paddling outriggers who, that are there and surskis are long, but it's the maneuverability. You don't get the maneuverability out of a 19-foot board as you do a 14-foot or 12-6 or 6-6 or 4-6, yeah, yeah. you know, all these different lengths. And, that's, yeah. and, and if you can't maneuver your board well, as well as you'd like to, then you're then inhibiting your ability to go as fast as you can because you're not putting it in the right spot. And that's where... Yeah. You know, I think foiling is less finished because you're above. But in terms of paddling yeah. up on a bump, I don't, I don't 100% buy the, the, the problem with foiling a longboard, I think, is when you paddle up and the bumps are short, 
when you lift and then go to pump, you risk nosediving that board into the bump in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the disadvantage because once you're up and foil and you're happy gliding, reading it all well, it's all, it's all good. But as soon as you get in a bad situation, you get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very true, very yeah. true. I've, I've all- run into it myself in different times where you run into the back of a bump and you just nosedive and there's no way out. And I was on a five, I think five ten at the time. And still I was struggling with just, it was very, there's a lot of backwash. There's a lot of things, but I was multiple time over time. I paddle up, nosedive into the one paddle yep. up, nosedive. And I was just like, it's driving me nuts. So yeah. you extend that to eight foot. I mean, that's, I noticed the difference, you know, I've gone from a four foot prone to a say almost six foot sup. That two foot is such a big difference. So to expend, extend that again, I mean, it's it's not a linear. It's going to be a bit more. Like it's getting worse and worse. It's going to hide, your your margin is going to get tighter. So That's it. yeah. it's an interesting way to look at it. Actually, yeah. Mm. So your first problem is get up, and I think yeah, barracudas are going to get you up easier. But once you're up, there's going to be negatives to it. So yeah, yeah. it's if you can't get up though, you got you got to go long. You got to go big. That's where I give up. props to Dave. For, for bringing the long, skinny, high volume boards to to start foiling is made like Marcus and I like. How do we get more people to do this thing? It's like it's obviously it's hard, and we we know how to paddle, but how do we teach them? And I guess our approach, well, my approach was I do a podcast and I go out there and teach people. But I think Dave's he just made a big, long, skinny board, and it's like essentially it's a beginner downwind sup foil board. Yeah, yeah. In a you know, I'm not trying that. It's not. That's not trying to be, um, you know, and I'm not trying to offend you the design. Like it's not, it's not a beginner design by any means. It's long and it's super skinny. It's advanced, but it's, yeah. it makes it easier to get going. And that's yeah. the genius. <laughs> oh, I'm, I think Eric says it on his podcast as well. He's like, downwinding is the one place where it's not going to get crowded. Yeah. So, and I, I, downwinding for me, I know you, I know what you guys are like. I know what Zane's like. Anytime I do a run with Zane, it's like, once you're up, see ya. It's like every yeah. man for himself. Whereas I'm like, now that I can paddle up com- like comfortably, as soon as going forward, I'm like, do a couple of charity laps. If they're not up, just come, sit down, have a rest. Yeah. And just keep, like, being up together and in the middle of the ocean, yeah, so flying good. around, there's, there's nothing that compares to that. It, it, it all, yeah, it all depends on your time frame. Like, uh, yeah, I don't have kids and I don't live in Sydney. So it's, yeah. we don't have peak hour. We don't have yeah. all this stuff. Like for us, it's a... 15 minute drive 30k run home and yeah that's kind of it whereas i know i talked to on the eastern beaches so you guys are up north on yeah, the yeah. south of the harbour bridge in the eastern beaches jeremy josh crew and perth yeah and i think ben did a downwind run and they said the car shuttles for a 12 or 9 or 12k run took four hours that's 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 why i am um... yeah, yeah that to me just like went out the window i was like you not worth it yeah. the ratio for Probably, yeah. I think Jeremy said it was almost 30 minutes on foil for four hours of car shuttles. I was yeah. like, that ratio is starting to, starting to lose out a bit. And that's where my wife gets up. Like, if I go with crew who are still learning, um, like, if I do my own run, it's probably about an hour and a half door to door, like, drive from my place to the start to the finish back home. Yeah. Um, and, like, if she picks me up, we can literally, on a 12 to 15K run, it can be an hour and a half or a 20, you know, it, you know, it, you know, changes to two hours, maybe door to door on a 20, 25K run. But when you go with someone and they're struggling to get up, they come yeah. down, it, that, that two hour window becomes four hours pretty quick, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, how much, how many brownie points do you want to use today, James? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I could either do one run by myself 
um, or I could do um, or two runs by myself or one run with someone who's learning. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's better be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. You know, you, you've got to find guys that you can do it with. Like I've been wanting to do longer and longer runs and it's sort of that it is better to be with someone for safety reasons and it's just funner. Yeah. But also it's just you need someone who's you're not going you know, as soon as you come down, I think the most energy you waste is paddling back up. Yeah. Once you're on foil, you're just yeah. you're barely you're not wasting a whole lot of energy. Like nah, an hour downwind up. runs, you're ready to go again straight yeah, away. Yeah, like yeah. whereas if you've got to paddle up five times because you kept hitting weed or something, cooked. You're pretty tight at the end. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, if you've got to keep coming down, it sort of affects how far you can go. So finding partners for me at the has been the latest. And then, you know. I don't live near too many other guys that are really into downwinding. So it just ends up being, oh, I'll just do it by myself. Cause yeah. Yeah. The Uber. most efficient way, really. Uber downwind. Yeah. Uber <laughs> downwind. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> That's it. Um, well, I got to start wrapping it up. But um, I guess what else do we want to chat about? I guess anything else you want to, anything else that you've, you know, has been, you know, a big, Ooh. a big breakthrough for you. Like I, I'm pretty impressed with you, Prone. How's your SUP downwind going since we spoke last? Um, like my paddle up. Yeah. The paddle up's been the biggest learning curve. I've spent some, you know, I I think being the weight I'm at and having, you know, I made I started with my own boards and I went at the time went pretty aggressive. I was like, you know, just under six foot. I went 22 wide, which at the time everyone was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like that's stupid. And I was like, no, 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 like it's it's gonna be better. And like so I, I got on and then because I'm light, got on big foil. So it wasn't a bad, it was quite an easy learning curve. So I actually wrote off a lot of the kind of learning to get up, perfecting my paddle up, really. Yeah. I kind of, I got away with a lot of factors that were in my favour. And so now I've kind of gone back and went, all right, now I want to try to get up some smaller wings and actually yeah. try and progress. That was going to be my next question. How small a foil have you paddled up now? Ooh, Hood River. Only me and Matteo um, did a run. We were doing um, a couple of laps at Hatchery and we decided, like, let's go really far up. And we got dropped way up and we had to be back at the event site um for the event and we got dropped up there and it was like ankle high little like slappers yeah and i was i was on a 93 mast with a 925 and he was on the 93 mast with a 725 and i'm talking like the worst bay run conditions you could imagine and so for me that was a it was a good practice and a good sort of you know I got the 925 up, but it did, it took 10 minutes to get it up. Same, he probably was another five minutes behind me on the 725, but yeah, but that's pretty much up. like it's almost flat, but like, you know, bumps yeah. that you had to paddle over. It's like almost speed bump paddle up. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, watching Matteo paddle up, I learned so Great. much about his technique. He's a such a weapon paddler. I'm but trying even... to get him on the podcast, but he's got school. Oh. <laughs> he barely goes to school, let's be honest. <laughs> No, but sort of, and that was one thing that, you know, I think the Armstrong high aspects are like that, that high stall speed means you've got to get them going to get them up on foil. And your biggest thing is that getting the board speed up because ultimately, you know, I sort of had learned initially on the axis because it's just, I could get them straight up. I didn't really have to do the whole pump paddle to work them up. I could almost just get enough of a push and bump, get up and just rely on my pump. Mm. And I think riding those high aspects and seeing, especially seeing him in hood, the way he, you know, he starts with a bump and gets the push and then cuts so aggressively to the side to stay with bumps. He doesn't run into the one in front as he's yeah. working that speed up. And the last thing you'll do is he'll do a big hard paddle and jump 
behind the wave and you'll then pump into the back of it and get that drive off the back of the wave and then yeah. sit in the one behind it. And that kind of drive, even on a tiny foil, just got him up on foil and he was yeah. right. Yeah. And I'd never, you know, seen what we, you know, anytime I do, I was like, just paddle dead straight, work it up and keep going. But seeing how he just thought about, you know, just rips in behind and then got straightens up. And I was like, yeah, all of a sudden that really helped me with kind of the higher stall speed wings and paddling them up. So for sure. And especially because those foils are going so fast, you have to paddle fast. So you're, sometimes you're yeah. paddling faster than the actual bumps. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. I, the, the smallest foil I've paddled up is the 725 and it's the closest I've been to paddling back in. I, I <laughs> almost didn't get up. It was like yeah. 10 to 15. It was a good day. 10 to 15 knots south to southeast wind at home. And um, I had a mate buzzing around me on a foil, and I wanted to tell him to, you know, <laughs> get lost. I'm in a not happy right now, you know, slap the paddle in the water sort of thing. And I finally got it up after probably a good 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest problem for me was coming from GoFoil and using Axis stuff, the Armstrong 725, I couldn't get in my old board, I couldn't get far enough forward. So yeah. I was getting the speed, but every time I pumped, I stalled out because I was standing too far forward. Um, so that was I, and more excuses. God, I'm all full of excuses. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And that's where, you know, Armstrong lift, they ride further forward in the boards. Boards never had longer, bo- long enough boxes for them. Yeah. It was, you, you, you know, you've got to stand where the board floats. You can't stand where you want to be on foil. Exactly. You got to paddle the thing. And you're paddling up. And I was the same when I learned on the Sonova. It was like, oh, you, start, you yeah. start to get lift, but you realize you're just it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to get Paddle back. stands here. Yeah. Foil stands here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got to get so far. I was actually yeah. I did a clinic today down here in Torquay and a guy was using a Takuma board with a lift foil. And he was paddling a long way, you know, foil forward. Yeah. And his, his foil was as far forward as we could get it. And then when he got on the wave, he had to go like one, two, three, four. <laughs> and then that was his stance. And it was like the wow. whole session yeah. was like, when you get you further back, further back. And he's like, I'm running out of board behind me. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. not the best match. But yeah, yeah. It's the but yeah, I think as well, one thing that I learned was playing with the base plate shims actually and how that affects paddling up. And I think... It was something that I didn't think about. I talked to Simeon, who one of the Hawaiian Voyager guys. Yeah. And he sort of explained it really well. And he said that, you know, essentially, you know, the, no, the angle of your board affects the angle of the foil. Mm-hmm. And I think for an Armstrong foil, so you're looking at, I guess, yeah, how you shim your mast will affect how you, the angle of attack of your foil. Yeah. So if your foil has a heap of angle of attack, or say the nose of the board when you're on foil is down, it'll come up quicker. Yep. But you need to find that right angle for the foil that you're on. So especially with the Armstrongs, if you've got too much angle of attack, you'll paddle it in and the, that angle of attack will start lifting the foil, but you're not going fast enough to engage the foil section and then keep going. So it'll stall just out. come up, stall, come up, yep. stall. So you start flattening it out and you start getting more board speed going, then it starts lifting, but then you're at a, a, a high enough speed to engage the foil section and then you're off and going. Mm. So that was one of the big things for me, dialing the mast angle in using base plate shims. And that really has made actually a lot of difference to my paddle up, yeah. which was something I didn't, it's just not, not something that I thought about. And similar to mast position, um, Simeon was explaining that he runs his mast a bit further back so he can get the board speed up. Yep. I think they're in pretty incredible conditions where they're trying to actually catch the waves and get up. Yeah. Whereas I'm still kind of working it up. So yeah. But it, Hawaii, Hawaii is a special, you know, Oahu is more real world than Maui, but it's it's a good real world. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really yeah. good real world spot. Yeah. 
and yeah, they, they, they definitely they, like you said, look behind, and I, I I try to look like like maybe forty five degrees to ninety degrees to my side, like because anything that's behind you, if I look, if I'm looking like this, the, the bump that's coming, that's standing up here, has disappeared by the time it gets to me. Generally, yeah. it's just a really good bump, and I I'm not saying I never look behind me, but if I see a set coming, I'll then draw my attention to the nose of my board in front of me and look for that, you know, that little um, yeah. scoop. And that's telling me more than this behind me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I still 100%. look behind me though. But every time I get up, it's because I'm looking in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. And there's so many of those little things that, yeah, I'm still learning. Every time I paddle out, I, I'm learning. I'm trying to now replicate what... Mateo was doing, you know, I learned to do that in hood, but now I'm trying to do that in the ocean a little bit yeah. and try and get the side speed and pull off one and, you know. In the ocean, so I feel like it can be almost easier because in hood, because it's so straight, you have to go boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Whereas in the ocean, because there's refraction and all sorts going everywhere, you can kind of get onto one. And then because there's a little bump running back this way, you can come back that way and then you get another one this way. It's like, okay, that's my one I want. And yeah. You use the yeah. speed to sort of hop between them. But um, yeah, definitely, you can't paddle, you can only paddle straight in a perfect bump. But if yeah, you can yeah, learn to zigzag yeah. while using your speed, you can get up on the, the, the imperfect bump, I guess, or the worst yeah, bump. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, so it's cool. I mean, yeah, that's where it's interesting where it foils. And I think, I think to anyone who's listening to this, who's new to downwinding, we're all talking about high aspects, fast wings, all that. Don't be scared to go to an old slow, big foiler. Cause it's like we're saying, it's all about just getting up on foil. And if you spend your time trying to paddle up, you know, fast, high aspects, they are harder to paddle up. Yeah. And that's the other where, thing like, I'll, I'll add to that is the big slow foil that doesn't glide as well teaches you a skill that you'll need to know regardless of what, what foil you're using. Um, I learned on the Maliko 180 and then the Maliko 200. Marcus Tardy learned on the Maliko 280 in Perth. <laughs> Massive. And he's like, yeah. he's lighter than you. He's like 65 kilos. He would have been lit. But what he learned really well was on one bump, peel off, get the, and the bump behind catches him peel yeah. off catch them up behind and that's what downwind foiling is it's not i'm not you know people say i've got one bump i'm all the way to you know the end of the run 10ks on one bump no nah, no one's doing that <laughs> ever you might get a really good bump and you might maybe go a kilometer maybe yeah. you know maybe a little bit longer and that's like even that's recycled the bumps recycled a couple of times and you've had to turn and sort of link but you're never on one bump for the entire run and that as bad as slow foils are a slow foil teaches you the necessary skills that you'll need even with a fast foil on one bump, pull off on the next bump, pull off the slow foils in the ocean. You'll have to do that peel off more, but that's exactly what you need to be practicing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's hard for sure. Like yeah. you need, it's hard to be on a foil that's too big for the conditions. And ideally you're on a foil that's perfectly matched to the conditions, but there's yeah. nothing worse than being underfoiled which means A, you're not getting up or B, you get up and you have to pump the whole way down the run and you yeah. learn nothing about downwind yeah. if your foil is going faster than the bumps. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, soon, like a hood river, I think, was an interesting one where I think the Armstrong high aspects probably aren't that suited to it because, you know, like you see in those clips, I was, I was just going back and forth. And like, if I tried to just cruise and go straight, it worked actually when I was out. If you go east towards Rufus, totally different bumps, like yeah. longer, straighter bumps. And I could, but close to the hatchery is just wedgy. And yeah. so I was moving the whole time to stay with the energy pocket. Because if I just having, tried to cruise, I'd just drop out. Yeah, having to turn and, to create speed, like on the way. Exactly. Whereas if you go yeah. straight, 
it's yeah so you were slightly underfoiled like your foil was going too fast for the bumps yeah 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 and so that's where you know it's high aspects aren't always the answer and i think we've we've all come to this i think we're, we're in a realm of a high aspects at the moment and there's so many options for them out there at the moment and i think you know moving forward i'd like you know i still have a surf orientation i still want to ride waves and yeah. you know i've kind of forced myself now with high aspects to ride them in the waves but I don't necessarily think they suit away like downwinding they are the best there yeah. is no like the efficiency the glide the speed yeah, I was gonna all say, that. instead of going a smaller low aspect just go a bigger high aspect and that's going to match it better yeah. to go slower but for surf yeah. for turning i agree i think um high that's aspect. where we're, we're, there's, there's a big gap there and i think yeah. you know armstrong lift a great example and like i said before access i think they did it well because they've got that range in between but we need to perfect the surf wings. Yeah, that's all I'm. That's why I'm, I'm selfish because that's what I want. That's but what I want. you know, <laughs> I still I still ride. You know, the ARTs and the um, HAs in the surf, and I think there's going to be a bit of a. You know, you've seen um, Unifor with Eric's and the Progression Project yeah. developing that sort of. It's a high aspect wing, but it's a high aspect wing that surfs better, and it's this. Yeah. It's a jack of all trades. I think there's going to be your downwind like speed wings. Your all rounders and then your specific surf wings. Yeah, yeah. That's where I want it to go anyway. Like, I think you yeah. need your high aspect race and it's going to be, they're going to be unturnable eventually because they'll be faster. Like, yeah. not unturned, but relatively. And if your jack of all trades is going to be your most fun everyday wing, and then you're going to have your surf wing, which you're not necessarily, you're going to be compromising pump on the way back out, but it is going to, like, yeah, you'll be yeah. ripping on it. <laughs> yeah. So, no, there's any other foil brands out there, please? Yeah. Keep developing. This yeah, is what we want. Working, boys. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Girls, yeah. Um, oh, thanks so much, Oscar. It's been a blast chatting. It's always good. We lose track of time. I said to my wife, it'll be 45 minutes. We'll be done before nine. Um, it's now almost yeah. nine. Oh, we're nowhere near. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's, yeah. Oh, man, it's just good to chat about foils. My problem is I can, even after hanging out at Hood River and talking foils for 12 days straight, I was still leaving like, does anyone want to talk about foils? <laughs> Messaging people. How is the foils? Yeah, that's it. What's this? What's that? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. we just profit. And I think it's, yeah, it's an exciting sport to be a part of at the moment. And Absolutely. It's still growing. So it's growing. It's let's growing. keep pushing it, whether it's prone paddling, surf wings, whatever it is. Let's... Jeremy Riggs, high kneel. I saw that one. Yeah. yeah no was... paddle, just standing on it. I... No paddle. Yeah. I, I want to see him do that downwind. And obviously, there's the same paddle as prone to sup. Sup, you can use a small board, small foil. Prone, you're probably going a little bit bigger board, maybe a little bit bigger foil. No yeah. paddles, <laughs> no paddle, no hands. I think you're probably going to be using a bigger board and a bigger bigger foil again. So there's, yeah. but they're all, it doesn't matter. As long as you're out there getting getting up and going and you're gliding the bumps, that is the main thing. So however you want to do it. That's it. Let's get more people into it. So yeah. whichever way it is, let's just keep getting people out there. Yeah. And I'm heading up your way, you know, about a week so hopefully we get a little downwind run in and maybe have to do a little um i don't know live q a sort of thing get a few crew from oh yeah like the sound yeah. of that yeah let's do it yeah awesome cutie all right um thanks so much oscar and i'll um be in touch thanks so much Sounds for coming good. on the show yeah awesome thanks guys and i forgot to mention um Oscar just came back from WA, but I'm trying to convince him to come over for November 10 to November 20. We're going to create like a little bit of a downwind month. And I know Zane's keen to come over and all that. There's heaps of downwind fall frothers over in Western Australia already. But um, November 12 or 13, I think, is the Mandra Jewel. And it's like a pretty sweet section of coast for downwind falling. It's 
about, I think it's only a 10 to 15K run. So it'd be a bit of a sprint on a foil, which would be fun. Um, and then the following week, there's the West Coast downwinder. And that's more like 25Ks, which I think is a really good distance for a downwind foil race. Um, and that's up in Perth, North Frio to Sorrento. Um, the organisers have said, yep, foilers come on in. Let's go. So let's get behind it and support these races and um, get the foil froth really going. Uh, but yeah, Oscar, we try to get you there, but if you can't, <laughs> all good. <laughs> I got to sample it last week. I got to sample Mandranda run at Frio and I can, the conditions they get are pretty unreal. So if you're thinking about getting over there, it's definitely worth the trip. It is next level of foil, the downwind conditions over there. There you go. Straight from the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll um, see you in WA. <laughs> you.